UX Podcast Episode 84. Welcome to UX Podcast, balancing business, technology, and users every other Friday from Stockholm, Sweden. I'm James Roy Lawson. And I'm Panax Boom. And we are at Conversion Jam 4. Yeah, it's October 16, 2014. And we are at, um, we're actually, it's changed venue as um, um, as this conference. This is, right. the, this is the third mm. time that we've um, covered the event. Mm-hmm. Being in and and I really like it because it's um well it's 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 a little bit different to what we normally work with actually because here is a lot of e-business people um real hardcore conversion mm. um people um and a lot of psychology yeah excellent a lot of psychology yeah uh, so we learn a lot about the brain uh, some of you listeners will remember we talked uh, earlier years to Natalie Nahai. Mm. Uh, and and of course Craig um, even not Craig psychology Sullivan, but yeah. Craig Sullivan is mm. another guy we've um, talked to here mm. from Conversion Jam mm. and we're actually in, so we're in a new venue and this time we're in what is it Per K- Kungliga Musikaliska Akademins Hus yeah it's a really old nice building mm. and apparently this is where the first ever Nobel Prize was presented it's in 1901 cool. ooh that's a long time ago so it's, a, it's a lovely looking building yeah. um, so anyway we have um, four interviews. Mm-hmm. Lined up for you today, so oh, volume up, lay back, mm-hmm. lay back in your bed, in your don't lay back in your car, mm-hmm. sit tight, hold the <laughs> steering wheel, concentrate, <laughs> focus, um, or sit at your desk, whatever you're doing now, mm-hmm. and get ready for Michael uh, Mikael Orgard. Mikael Orgard, I don't know. Orgard, Orgard. He's, he's Danish. He's Danish. I'm trying to pronounce its name, but um, and he's he's a cop. He's um, um, all a content guy within. Conversion optimization. Yeah, he called himself a copywriter or a plumber, even. Yeah, conversion, <laughs> conversion plumber. I think yeah. it was, isn't it? Um, and then we've got um, um, Eric Modig, mm-hmm. who is um, a researcher here at um, Stock University mm-hmm. um, and psychologist. Mm-hmm. Um, then Bart Schwartz, yeah. who um, is author of The Wheel of Persuasion. Yep. And um, yeah, and we met him last year. Um, we did. We actually yeah. had him on, a, on an event. Yeah. And. Finally, we have Roger Dooley um, of Brainfluence. Yeah, Brainfluence um, the book and Brainfluence the podcast. Yeah. yeah, lots of fascinating content coming up. Mm, yeah, it's, yeah. You may have to pause and listen. Listen. Uh, it's closely. not going to be that yeah. long. Is it? Oh, you mean like that? Oh, yeah, I so you pause were... between the interviews, <laughs> reflect, think about what you have been doing wrong for a long time, think mm. about what you have to do next, mm. then pl- press play again. Uh, you know, that's a good tip. I yeah. think this one. This is one of those shows where it's yeah. worth pausing when you hear the next jingle yeah. and and making some notes. It is. There's actually, a lot yeah. of lot of stuff to to to. Lots of fascinating sh- yeah. content. Yeah. Make you think about. Let's go for it. Let's go. <laughs> And uh, Mikael Auger just got off stage. Yes. Uh, welcome to the show, Mikael. Thank you very much. <laughs> it's my first time here. Awesome. Not, not in Stockholm. I've been in Stockholm once before for a gig last year, but it's my first time at the uh, Conversion Jam. Yeah, cool. Um, and you, you stormed through. You stormed through all the um, your slides and your talk. You run over a little bit, but that's good because you were fun. You were dancing around. <laughs> now, um, w- instantly getting to a bit of take-ums. You've, you, well, you take 
you talk a little bit about what you do. You're a copy, you're a conversion well, copywriter. Uh, well, conversion I'm, Jesus is what um, yeah, that's what that's what <laughs> described you as. At yeah, the that's what uh, John dubbed me. He gave me the name Conversion Jesus, which uh, obviously I'm <laughs> very happy for that title. I'm never gonna gonna call myself that though. No, but. I'm a, I'm, I'm a, I'm a conversion ride uh, optimizer uh, overall, and one of the things that I specialize in, and I think it's particularly fun to work with, is copy, because I think, you know, copy, the basic messaging is like the bread and butter of marketing, pretty much. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it, it, it usually people don't give it as much you know respect as it as as it really uh, deserves mm-hmm. because you know i've i've done hundreds of of copy tests and every single one of them had an effect on the conversion rate it not necessarily a positive, positive one, one but it had an impact right. so it's very important Oh, yeah, of course. I mean, the words. When we're sat there front of computers, we're looking at words. Yeah. And we're reading words. You can't help it. It's one of those inst- instinctive things to look at the words. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Clearly, we're... we're, we're I mean, there's, some, there's, there's a lot of video and there's all kind of stuff going on on the internet, but, I mean, it's still predominantly a, a, a written medium. Mm. So, right. <laughs> yeah. well, You touched upon something that really appealed to me, which was we, we keep testing and testing and testing, but how do we know that we're testing the right thing? Yeah. And how do we know? Uh, that's a good point. I mean, well, so, I mean, by doing our homework, yeah. you know, <laughs> so that was one of the things I yeah. said, uh, said on stage is one of the things I found out was, you know, so, yeah, I, I used to call myself a split test junkie. Now I call myself a, a re- recovering split test junkie mm. because I found out <laughs> that just testing and testing everything is, is pretty lame. It's stupid. Mm. And even because I've also become a lot more aware of, of what it takes to actually get, you know, uh, v- valid results you know and, and not just imaginary lifts and you need to run tests for for a long time yeah. so if you want to test everything it's going to take a long time yeah. and also uh, you know what i found out is that i was talking about test hypotheses you know so the, the better your your test hypotheses are the more data you base them on the the more solid your homework you know the better your results are going to be mm. so that's really the bread and bread and butter you know working on your on your test hypotheses and that's why it's so funny when when i hear people say well it's only one in 20 uh, tests that actually works and saying yeah. well that that's your problem dude that's because you're not <laughs> doing your homework and your your right. test hypotheses mm. suck because mm. if you spend more time preparing well then you wouldn't have to do 20 split tests to get a result mm. and no. doing the research the research is so important, and the same yeah. thing, uh, you know, it's, it's, I mean, and we have to teach this to our clients also, and, and like the in-house optimizers have to teach it mm-hmm. to the companies, is that this is not magic, man, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's, I'm, we're not Don Draper, it's not, you know, the 60s, it's not Madison Avenue, you know, you can't just put a poster up about soap and people go, oh my God, soap, you know, <laughs> people are stupid yeah. and, and they're jaded, so, you know, we have to find ways of, of, of you know, making the message very, very clear to them, what is the value for them, why is it relevant so that's the most important thing, and we can't just persuade people with you know market teas and just or market ease and, and, and you know stupid messaging. Mm. I mean that's just. <laughs> I, mean, I, I, I liked you the example you gave of the um, uh, I can't remember which story it was, but the one with the um, um, the, the page that had more info at the, underneath the, the call to action yeah. area, and uh, the data showed that people were clicking on the tiny little more info yeah. um, link underneath, and then when they went to the next page, there was no there was no extra info. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then the the, the solution you tested there was um, well why, why don't we give them more info mm. yeah, yeah, yeah. now what struck me there was of course i mean that's 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 actually not really a b testing or kind of op- conversion rate optimization what that was 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 just listening to user needs and yeah, actually yeah, yeah. providing them with mm. what they want so taking that that big first step up to yes. giving them what they need oh, totally. then you went on to to tweaking yeah, yeah exactly. so actually okay now we can start doing the hypothesis and say what if mm. now we've got mm. what the user wants yeah what can we tweak to make it even better? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. So, and that's also kind of a, well, that's that's kind of my test methodology right there. Is you know, so so 
<laughs> the idea that your customers don't know or that you're smarter than them is just ridiculous, you know, because yeah. they're the ones who are going to fucking buy your stuff, you know. <laughs> so they know better than you. Yeah. So the best way of finding out what they need and what the, you know, the answers they need is by talking to them. Mm. <laughs> You know, I mean, it seems really obvious, yeah. Yeah, but people don't do it. I mean, uh, qualitative data, I think, is is just almost extinct. Oh, that's that's exaggerating, but very few people actually respect, uh, you know, uh, qualitative data, and they go straight for the big data. Yeah, when yeah. you need both, man, and the only way, mm. so you 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 need the qualitative data uh, first, and then you can use you know the quantitative data from analytics and whatever to back up whether that was the right thing. You use qualitative data by running split tests with huge sample size to find out whether that solution was the right thing. But the basic premise is finding out what's in the mind of the prospect. Mm, exactly. And usually, I mean, if you have one product and you have a target audience, you don't need to talk to 200 customers to find mm. out. I mean, if, if you do proper you know, mm. interviews very, very quickly after interviewing five or ten people, you right. will see patterns. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, one thing that we've, we've nagged about over the years, I mean, if you're, if you're currently interviewing or talking to zero users or customers, one <laughs> is infinitely better yeah. than zero. Oh, I agree. I agree. Yeah, totally. Totally. And it does seem like you have the benefit of actually being able to tweak and look into and do the research and do the interviews. But looking at bigger projects, I'm seeing that you, you divide it up into those people do the UX, those are the graphical designers, that's the, mm. those are the copywriters over there, mm. sometimes from different companies. Mm. And then we bring on and this, mm-hmm. uh, optimizers in the end uh, and testing in the end from, from a user perspective. Oh. And how do you make sure that all those things fit together if well, you, you, aren't the only per, you aren't the only person working with all well, that, that is a huge challenge. Yeah. It's a huge challenge. And I think one of the things that often happens, what I've experienced, is it's, it's, a lot, it's about diplomacy. A lot yeah. of the time, because I mean, if if you're a consultant or you're working for an agency, and the and the client you're helping, they have uh, whatever another agency doing design or doing yeah. SEO or whatever, mm. then in a lot of cases, the other agency is going to see you as the enemy. Mm-hmm. You know yeah, exactly, and you're not necessarily an enemy. So what I've what I do usually is uh, I do workshops. We start working together. Mm. So they'll be like very defensive, like oh this guy, man, this guy. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. you 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 get in there and you you know. By, by showing your experience and by, by uh, you know, working with them, they'll very, very quickly, you know, understand that you're not there to, to, to mess anything up. You're there to help the client just like they are. Yeah. And mm-hmm. we can help each other. Mm-hmm. So it's about diplomacy, I think, and really getting those defenses down. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you work with a completely incompetent partner who has no idea about conversion optimization. So that's another oh, yeah, you know, yeah, exactly. diplomacy act. Yeah. And so, you know, showing them evidence, uh, showing them previous test mm-hmm. results and so on and so forth really helps, you know, solid mm-hmm. data. But then again, there are a lot of, you know, uh, I'm going to get hate mail now, but I mean, a, a lot of designers, I think, have no respect for data at all. They only, mm. you know, have respect for their kind of own taste. Mm. Mm. So the designers I like working with are the ones that, of course, have a, a experience and, and a great aesthetic sense and everything, but they actually also respect the data. So we're yeah. saying, you know, uh, 200% uh, <laughs> I don't know, lift and conversions by designing the form like this rather than like that, for yeah. example. Even if it looks mm. stupid in your eyes, yeah. that's what we're going to go with because exactly. that's what our users want. Yeah, exactly. humble, humble enough to take the step back and yes. go, yeah, right, I exactly. see what he's saying. That was what I was talking about also in, the, in, mm. in, in my session today is I used to be extremely arrogant. Mm. Then I started <laughs> testing and then, wow, that just mm. knocked the okay, arrogance right out right. of me because, yeah. you, know, you, you know, you just see mm. you know, how little you know and mm. how... How sucky your stuff is. <laughs> I think one, one, of the, one of the benefits, when, when you're doing this kind of analysis or testing, um, you're, you're kind of sitting, you're, you're sitting high up and you're looking down, you're seeing the full thing, you're mm-hmm. taking that holistic view yeah. over the, the, the full conversion process or, or customer journey, whatever you want to call it. And that puts us in a very powerful position because yes. it is all seeing. Um, whereas companies, 
they have a team of people. I mean, I was thinking the example you gave there was a newsletter with the jeans where they were kind of uh, pushing forty nine ninety nine dollars jeans yeah, yeah, at you. Yeah, yeah. And you click on the link, it takes your website, which was selling sweaters and, yeah. you know, not men's <laughs> jeans at all. And, and I, started, I, said, I said to Per, mm. I mean, now this just, I can just see this. You've got kind of a, a divergent team of, of people working with the web. Yeah. And they, they haven't maybe got the, the interest or the luxury mm. to create that holistic picture and, and see the full flow and the full thing together and mm. realize that, that link, that page yeah. has been used in a newsletter yeah. with that text, with mm. that stuff around it, yeah. and it's going wrong. Yeah. That's, I think that's one of the biggest challenges. Yeah, yeah well, uh, that, that is a huge challenge. And I, I think you, I mean, you need someone, in, uh, an internal person, for example, a CRO guy there to do the health check. You know, mm. so, mm. I mean, what often happens with companies is like, oh, shit, you know, our, our next campaign is tomorrow. We don't have a landing page. We don't have any emails. Ah, they throw it together mm. and poof, send it out. Yeah. And they panic. And then they go, oh, we should also test. What can we test? Ah, <laughs> ah, you know. So you really need a guy who's on top of things. Uh, for example, a CRO guy who's like the, I mean, who's really the, 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 the advocate for the users saying, yeah. well, do you really think this makes sense? Mm. You know, does it make sense that, you know, mm. you were promoting jeans and you get your landing page and selling sweaters? Yeah. yeah. It doesn't can, make sense. Can this, can, this, can this Lego bit that we've been thrown at, mm. that's been thrown at us, does it actually fit the building yeah. that yeah. we're building? And then prepare. Mm. I, mean, I mean, if you know you have eight campaigns this year, I mean, actually prepare. And, you yeah. know, don't get surprised that oh god it's tomorrow the campaign you know mm-hmm. start preparing mm-hmm. and and plan your test plan mm-hmm. your hypotheses mm-hmm. and then constantly evolve mm-hmm. and, and get smarter and use as many don't test yeah. everything but use the opportunities mm-hmm. you have to get inside and get smarter exactly and i really like what you said about diplomacy and uh, that people actually working together having that workshop i think that's a really good tip Work- for workshops are awesome also yeah. also with, with clients you need to, you need to get that mm-hmm. initial buy-in they need to understand it they need mm-hmm. to understand the testing process they need to understand that mm-hmm. you're not just a voodoo mm-hmm. dude you know you're actually you're there to help them and you can help yeah. them yeah if they let you great if they let you excellent we're gonna cut you short there <laughs> let you have Perfect. a fika before the break is over right. exactly <laughs> thanks very much thanks for joining so much us you guys. awesome okay, okay bye, bye. <laughs> Right, straight off stage, Erik Modig. Welcome to UX Podcast. Thank you. Uh, great talk. Uh, your topic is brains. Yeah. Which we all love. Yeah, <laughs> well, of course. Everybody should yeah. love the brain. Everybody has one, yeah. hopefully. Yeah. so. It'd be pretty hard work hitting yeah. it. Yeah. Tell us a bit about your background. Uh, so I'm a researcher. I, I'm a, a PhD um, and researcher at Stockholm School of Economics. So I, I, I wrote my uh, thesis. Uh, and most of my research has been focusing about creativity and understanding how creativity within communication, especially advertising, actually affects our brain. Because you know that the advertising mm-hmm. industry, everybody's talking about creativity instead mm-hmm. of more or less effectiveness. So mm-hmm. I, I try to solve that puzzle. So what I've done is to see how actually the consumers react to things that are more or less creative. Right. And that yeah. actually took me into the brain so because you have oh, to understand okay. the brand if you yeah. Yeah, the brain if yeah. you have yeah. if you want to understand how consumers react to more or less anything exactly and that took me on uh, more into um, like uh, conversion and effectiveness and mm. how we actually can both build a brand but then also um, like uh, find synergies between brand building and sales yeah and this is when you say conversion here you you're thinking more of the the traditional conversion not digital conversion but um, just getting yeah. people to be customers yeah exactly yeah so, uh, but I've been more and more into digital from the start mm-hmm. because the thing is when usually when you talk uh, conversion, uh, traditionally, you yeah. mean in-store, yeah. yeah. but uh, I'm not looking into in-store. I'm more in the communication guy, but mm. conversion online is 
the brain works quite similar to like how you process advertising because like all the digital content mm. is also similar to how advertising has been right. for the last 30, 40 years. Yeah. So there are a lot of similarities with how the brain processes the, the kind of content. Mm. But you're also saying there's a big difference in how it works today than before, when, before the internet, uh, perhaps, when the, traditionally the experience was more linear. You saw an ad, you went to the store, you bought, bought the stuff. But yeah, now usually you're, you're, you, you have, we had these huge brand building campaigns yeah. and attention campaigns mm. on TV and then you mm. saw something for the first time. Mm. Then maybe you read about it in a magazine and then maybe you got like a leaflet at home or a yeah. brochure. Yeah, and then it, was, you, it was dripping and all you, the time yeah, over you, a sustained you period. Emailed, oh, I want the brochure from this brand and you got it home and then you read and then right. you went to the store and then mm. you mm. probably bought there. It mm. was a very linear process. Mm. And also science uh, treated it as a quite a linear conscious process however today we know that people they see something on a banner maybe don't click uh, not that why then they see it on social media right. and then they read it mm. on a mm. in a news and in mm. a article and then they watch some youtube films about it and then they talk with you know it's it's very very much uh, like a, a fussy process and it's very very hard to mm. to to analyze it especially mm. if you have like a linear mindset there. exactly but how do you how do you analyze it <laughs> I think that uh, I, I usually say that the process is like based on circles. Mm -hmm. So it's circles, yeah. circles, circles, and it slowly moves forward to, towards the purchase. So still we have like the awareness stage, the evaluation stage, yeah. the uh, stage where you form some sort of like intention and then we mm. purchase. Mm. However, we don't know if you're in the like intention evaluation, the first spin or the second or the third, but, right, but you're, right. you're moving slowly towards the purchase. Mm -hmm. So you're rolling need, towards your purchase. <laughs> yeah. So, and of course there, there are different ways. We know that for example, if somebody click on something, Either it's because they are their first uh, exposure, and maybe we can track that with an mm. IP address. We know social media mm. is usually quite early in the process, in evaluation. Yeah. People don't think that they should buy something when they're on social media because they want to be social. Mm. So we know that social media is early on in the process. And then, however, when they write in the, like, the direct uh, uh, homepage address, mm -hmm. then we know they're quite late in the process. Right, and uh, mm -hmm. and we know paid search or organic search. Mm -hmm. They are a little, also a little bit later because mm -hmm. then they actually start to search for it. That's really interesting because mm -hmm. that ties into what we saw we were seeing before about A/B testing. That sometimes, depending on the context, if this is a customer that has previously done business with yeah. you yeah. or someone who is meeting you for the first time, the A/B test is actually going to perform differently based on exactly. how different you are. Yeah. So I, I would say, mm -hmm. the, if you can in the future find a way. Mm -hmm. To, to categorize your consumers where they are in the purchasing process yeah. that would be so valuable for each marketer or everybody that's exactly. tried to influence people. Mm. I think uh, one, of the, one of the very important things from your talk for me was the, the whole thing about how we're, we're instinctively um, judgmental, that we categorize everything yeah. within a split second. Yeah. Um, whether it's each other, uh, the clothes we've got on, mm. or whether it's your web product or your, your, your website. Right, um, and, and that we need to cater for that um, that judgmental nature yeah. of, of people when they visit the sites. Yeah, and, and you know the non-conscious mind, it it doesn't like the conscious mind. We can like relax and mm. we miss things, but the non-conscious mind or unconscious mind, it's constantly processing everything to understand: is there anything 
in my environment that I can eat mm. or is there anything that wants to eat me? Yeah. So yeah. that's the basic process. So mm. it watch out for things that could be dangerous <laughs> or something that actually could, could help us survive. Yeah. Both is more or less how to survive. So it goes on and look mm. and then it categorizes everything. What is this? Do we know mm. it? Mm. How is it useful or can it actually harm us? Right. And today when we go around in a store, it's like, yeah, that would be good. That We can eat that. But oh, now it's it's $50. No, no, no. That, that will hurt, hurt us. Mm. So it's still the same basic idea, mm. but now we have like made it a little bit translated into more uh, like specific uh, terms, like maybe mm. yeah, social proof and, and things like that. Right. Yeah. There's popular terms of psychological ex- yeah. experiences. Uh, there was one number that you mentioned that really <laughs> struck a chord with me. It was something like the unconscious mind makes like 10,000 or is exposed to 10,000 information bits uh, in the same time amount of time that your yeah, conscious the, mind is trying to make reason <laughs> out of it. Yeah. So so they looked at the maximum capacity of yeah. the non-conscious co- mm. versus the conscious mm. mind. And they today, there are a lot of different calculations. But the, mm. the best figure I got or the, the best calculation say mm. that it's approximately 10,000 to 1. Yeah, and yeah. so for example, if you <laughs> because walk in, you can only think about one thing you at can a only time. Think because yeah. the the conscious mind mm-hmm. processes information sequ- sequ- uh, in sequences. Yeah. sequences. So we know it can only sing- send one signal at a time. Mm. However, the non-conscious mind mm. uh, processes parallel. Yeah. So it and and so it di- enters directly, and it does it with a lot of things. So when mm. you enter a room, you can feel the lighting, the air, mm. the temperature, mm. the humidity, everything. Yeah. Um, You're mentioning even the tone of your voice can, yeah. makes us feel in a different way. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. And, and that's non-conscious mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. Um, so, but the thing is that the conscious mind has some sort of, of queuing system. Mm-hmm. You know, we can think, oh, wait, I'm just going to think about this and wait, wait a little bit. And then we can like go mm-hmm. back to mm-hmm. a thought. Mm-hmm. We can't do that with the non-conscious mind. Mm-hmm. We have a cue that it's directly. Yeah. yeah. It does re- seem really hard to... Understand then how, because we're always trying to appeal to the conscious mind. We understand this linear sequence. Yeah. When we're trying to appeal to the unconscious mind, how do we try to do that on the web? What what will affect our experience? First of all, we need to let go of this like argumentation. This is better than that, or yeah. or choose this twenty percent off. The conscious mind does. Uh, the non-conscious mind doesn't understand that, mm. and it doesn't understand texts. It can learn specific words, but then it learn it has learned it as an image. Mm. It's not like understanding mm-hmm. the letters yeah so if we want to read the the non-conscious mind we need to focus on images music and all these small details mm. like how are the lines how is the design mm. what mm. font do we use mm. how big is the font that like, like mm. the, the composition mm. is like the non-conscious mind taking an uh, some sort of 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 categorization of it categorize that into is it is this nice or is it like yeah. really bad? Is it worth so, spending yeah, my it's time? Worth, is it yeah. worth spending? Can I yeah. eat this? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so that's, that's the kind of you know the, the feeling aspect, the, the categorization yeah. of feeling. It's, yeah. it's well, you can't really put your finger on it almost sometimes, but yeah. you can yeah, think the that's good. That's bad. Is there that then we do this tracking. So did you see the ad? And people say no. Mm. Well, the only that says that they didn't process it consciously. Yeah. Mm. The brain didn't maybe, tell their eyes to move yeah, to the exactly. right place. But yeah. maybe, and probably, they actually process it non-consciously. Mm, and yeah. we know yeah. that non-consciously processes thing can also mm. affect 
uh, purchase decisions, mm. but we don't measure click-through rates. Mm. I love that because yeah. we've but, but been talking about eye tracking. Yeah, I know, yeah, I, yeah. This is one of yeah. the big complaints yeah. that people have when yeah. I do some eye tracking mm. testing, and it's one of the big complaints they have is mm. that well, it doesn't it doesn't tell you what they haven't seen the subconscious mm. part of stuff, and it doesn't. You're right. Mm. It just yeah. tells you where the brain has told the eyes to move to right. to look. Yeah, to make and a usually it's decision. measured the center attention of your eyes. Yeah. It's not in the yeah. peripheral vision. Mm. We know that if you move. 20-30% out from the, 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 like the focus, yeah. we go into the peripheral vision and that is actually what the non-conscious mind yeah. always is processing. For mm. example, when we drive a car, mm. we look there, but still we see the elk coming from the right. forest yeah. and that's the non-conscious mind telling mm. us. Mm. And just people focus so much on click-through rates and, and but click-through, then we only also measure the conscious choice. Yeah, yeah. So, of course, and that will be very important when we get closer to purchase. The closer to purchase, because then we actually mm. need a click. They need to actually yeah. do something. And that reaction, they often need to have the conscious mind controlling that. Mm. Mm. But in the early on in the process, mm. in social media, in when we build the mm. brand, we don't need to focus that much on, on that they actually clicked on mm. it or that they looked at it. We mm. know mm. that it was there. And probably then we started to categorize our brand exactly the first um, circle so I, I don't like yeah. these they say, oh you only one percent of all <laughs> banners are effective mm. well maybe That's but but we know that there is a lot that it's still an exposure and probably that has folk then actually give them some information about yeah. the brand and especially it had affected the categorization mm. of the brand yeah so what we know then mm. is if we have a placement of a banner that is very low click-through rate yeah. maybe they process it non-consciously yeah. then we need to focus on the look and feel of it not exactly what it says nice yeah yeah that's good i the coca-cola fridge uh, in the stores next to the cash register you never buy one but you always see it yeah I that, that's, that's the it's the dripping analogy. tap you, you're picking up stuff yeah. it's, it's seeing the apple um on the back of everyone's telephone yeah. constantly every day yeah. no matter where you're moving around exactly yeah and we say oh but we don't think we don't click on that well mm. When you go there and then want to buy a phone, yeah. they already has a 20, 30, 40% advantage compared mm. to the other brands. Yeah. Right. Great stuff, Eric. Thanks Fantastic so much for joining you. us. Thank you. Excellent. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Hello. 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 <laughs> and we're back for our third interview of the day. Mm-hmm. And we're talking to Bart. Bart Schultz. Is that right? Yeah, that is right. Okay, yeah, yeah. there he is. Yeah. Nice. Put my, nice I put my, one. I put my Dutch accent <laughs> on then. Do you know? I saw you were a bit wary of <laughs> yeah. pronouncing You have the right that. person nice. in front of you. <laughs> <laughs> and mm. we, um, well, we didn't talk to you last year, but we saw you because you well, were... Well, we talked to him, just not oh, we on the show. No, we, oh, okay. <laughs> we not on the show, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because you, um, you, you're you, only interviewing speakers, are you? Yeah, yeah last year you weren't a speaker, but you did turn up. Speakers um, are more popular. I was so destined to be on your podcast that I made sure I was a speaker this year. I think if I, I remember right, Tone yeah. last year said that we had to interview you this year. Oh, right. yeah. Yes, he did. So yeah. I, I'm just doing some talks. So I have to thank Tone. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you, you haven't done your talk yet. Nope. You're, you're actually the closing keynote uh, yeah. today. Well, John's going to... Oh yeah, but he doesn't. John yeah. John doesn't count. Sort of wrap it's, it up. No, it's his conference. That, control the damage that I'm gonna yeah. produce. And no. yeah. So the it says on the agenda that you're talking about the wheel of persuasion, which is your book and your model. Yeah, yeah. Tell us a bit more about that. Well, actually, I do not like the term persuasion that much. Mm-hmm. I'm more. Uh, I would like to call it psychology, but that's sales less. I get my hourly rates go down, so I call it persuasion <laughs> that, for that reason. Okay. 
Uh, it's basically about... Uh, <laughs> so we're already laughing. You've, you've, you've A-B tested this, so you know you're only... Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. We're yeah. A-B testing everything. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Hundreds of tests uh, a month, yeah. Uh, we're even test, A-B testing our coffee machines <laughs> at the office. Mm. Yeah, Excellent. and office managers. And, yeah. <laughs> Excellent. And for anyone listening, Bart is not kidding. Nope. No, 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 he's not. So, but I'm not kidding with the wheel either. What I'm trying to do is uh, apply all the knowledge that I got from uh, studying psychology and being raised by psycholo- psychologists and uh, run online experiments that we call A-B tests. So you, your parents out. are psychologists. So Yeah. So yeah. they've been experimenting. And my only sister on became a yeah. psychologist. I ah. married a psychologist. <laughs> I tend to joke that when we meet each other at home, we're saying, hey, how am I, how am I doing? <laughs> God, I, have, I have no idea how much to speak. I mean, my, my sister is a, is a um, Psych- psychologist. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or, or actually, uh, a behavioral, th- behavioral psychologist. Oh, right. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, a cognitive behavioral therapist. So uh, it's the same Very thing. interesting knowledge she has. Oh, it's really, uh, exactly. It's All really interesting. All these people in this conference mm. should become a uh, behavioral cognitive psychologist. Yeah. Like but, your sister. Exactly. Mm. But, you know, then you know that she has this knowledge. Yeah. yeah. And mm. when you're talking mm. to her, you're going to know she's, she's up there. She's thinking <laughs> what's going on. Mm. Oh, stressful. <laughs> but a whole family of it will be. Mm-hmm. And that's actually so, what yeah. I'm working on a tool now for yes. behavioral psychology over online. Mm. You are? Yes, I am. Oh, right. Yeah. Is that what we're going to talk about? No, we'll talk about, about talk about that. All right, okay. That's a teaser <laughs> for another show. Uh, yeah. No, yeah, so the wheel is about um, uh, me applying uh, psychological insights mm. online and testing whether that increases sales or increases mm-hmm. the amount of happy users. That's what the wheel is about. And since there's so many techniques and insights, and we've uh, documented over 250 of them, mm. Mm. I tried to fit it in some sort of categories, and yeah. there's 17 categories in the wheel just mm. to make it a bit more well, easy to okay. deal with. I mean, my the problem with my message is that there are so many techniques out there. It's not like Robert Chaldini who says that mm. there are six persuasion techniques. I don't, I don't believe that. Mm. <laughs> the wheel yeah. tries to sort of get it a little bit more... Easy to understand. So is it a tool for actually finding a process for how to work with this? It's a tool for Mm. finding the right technique Mm. at the right moment. So how, Mm. yeah, what Mm. techniques should I use at this point to persuade people Mm. to buy or use my service Mm. and be happy with it? Mm. Come back. I know that you like to kill the obvious truths out there. And I remember from our pre-jam, pre-jam, pre-jam thing last year before the conference that you were giving an example of a website where you actually had a pop-up window that did nothing. Well, you had to well, click no, OK. No, 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 it, was, it, was a, it was a barrier that was added. It was something oh. you put in the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah that increases conversion. Yeah, so when you enter the, yeah. enter the website, it popped up, yeah. and you had to click the button to close yeah, it. Yeah, there's no content in there. It's yeah. just the same picture in a light yeah. box, and the picture is behind it on the, on the website as well. You have to click. Yeah, yeah, go to the website. <laughs> and it increased conversions. Yeah. But it was Shall I tell you why? Awful. Why awful. we think that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But <laughs> I mean, our brain is awful. Yeah. Our brain is a yeah. nightmare. But the, the problem with our brain is that there's a part of it which we call consciousness, right? Mm-hmm. It's our awareness. Mm-hmm. If, if I'm thinking about myself, I am Bart. This is my consciousness thinking yeah. about myself. But mm-hmm. there's another part which mm-hmm. I'm not aware of, my, my subconsciousness. And that's way more important, that part. So what happens if a user or a client comes to a website and there's this 
pop-up window, this light box, mm. his consciousness will go, oh, I hate that. Mm. That's what you find in your, your UX uh, exactly. test with the usability test. People go like, oh, I hate that. And I click the cross and everyone does yeah, click the cross. And then, yeah, and then it's, and it's gone and it took me some mental effort and I hate spending mm. mental energy. Uh, so that's, but that's the conscious part of yeah. it, right? The subconscious, uh, sees itself touching the website and mm. touching each other does a lot, right? If I, if I were to touch you right now mm. and I'd scan your brain, mm. your brain go like, Ooh, what's happening? We're touching each other. Mm. That's even happening in a virtual space. People are touching the website and their subconsciousness goes, Oh, I'm touching it. I'll probably like it. Oh wow! I've never heard that explanation oh, before. That's excellent. And that's uh, <laughs> one of uh, it's. I mean, yeah, yeah, it's one of the big effects mm. that we see with every mm. touch on the website, even like uh, 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 fill-in boxes or mm. or uh, polls. Uh, everything. As soon as people touch it, you have like ten, fifteen percent increase in conversion. Wow. Thank you. Uh, now the the thought strikes me. Mm. Connected to what Eric um, was saying earlier um, mm. about the, um, the the old brain, the subconscious um, yeah. brain's um, um, so, so, well, tendency to look at pictures. Well, it likes pictures. And so I was thinking about this nonsense, this kind of non-existent pop-up that you put up there to create yeah. a touch onto the website that yeah. converts better. How much effect, or can you make a good use of it to, to with imagery to kind of put the right image there on that pop-up? Yeah, yeah. So so of course, you, you can use the image to prime other yeah, other effects. Yeah. But that, this, this is this, this is what makes it all so complex. Our mm. brain is uh, processing so much information at the same time that it's very hard to say. Like this is one thing that's mm. happening. I mean, the pop-ups we tested a lot of pop-ups, also just with plain text. Mm. Like, can you help us improve the website? Sort of questionnaire thing, and then people click the cross. They mm. all do. Yeah. No one wants to help you, but they, they're touching it. Mm. And, and then conversion also like 10 it or sometimes even 30% higher. Oh. Uh, so, but that's like, oh. yeah, you have to add friction to a website mm. very often. And, and one of the uh, reasons is that um, it's, you have to think about these two types of processes. Like the conscious part is interpreting its own behavior and it's probably uh, hating the, the friction. Mm. Uh, if you add it, he also, de his energy depletes. Mm. His energy goes down. So when you've made people think up front already, then the awareness part, of the, the conscious part, is not involved in the decision afterwards mm. because it's just fell asleep. It had to do a lot of effort mm. thinking about a piece of text, click it to get rid of it. Mm. And then the subconscious part is only there and you're more easily... Uh, uh, it's more easy to persuade someone because you just wiped out his, his conscious awareness. <laughs> he pleaded it with a one sentence yeah, the, or yeah, very hard. The, the active thinking part. So that, yeah, yeah. So that's mm. that's one of the reasons why adding friction uh, helps. The other part is the mm. ethical part because I got a lot of. I'm I'm always hired to separate brains from their money, right? And mm. I'm helping companies do that. But at some uh, some clients, I don't want to do it mm. without their conscious awareness. Like if you're selling mortgages. Uh, loans, mm -hmm, pensions, yeah. like these are uh, decisions that I want people to be consciously thinking when they're deciding to, to get there. So I'm, right. I'm, well, there's I'm also, using there's also all like, there's the, the UX principles mm. to make sure that mm. they are not mm. doing this subconsciously, automated, intuitively. Mm. No, get rid of it. Make it very un user unfriendly in order to make them aware of what they're doing. Yeah, because you might have a legal responsibility to actually yeah, make yeah, yeah. them aware of something. Definitely decreasing conversion. Right, so yeah. when something is difficult or 
Eric, I even had the example that if something is wrong, then you actually become more conscious because you're trying to figure out the puzzle. Yeah, yeah. And so you become more conscious and not, you're not using yeah. your subconscious as, as much anymore. So you're yeah, saying yeah. that making more yeah, when, thing, when things are yeah. wrong, we cannot process it automatically anymore, yeah. right? Like it's, it's incongruent with what, what, mm. you, what your subconscious mm. would expect. And then it calls in the help of your conscience. Like, hey, mm. what's happening here? Yeah. I have an example of an A-B mm. test that we did where uh, we were uh, trying to get people into a uh, consult for mortgages, advertising with a banner on a uh, real estate website, the mm. biggest one in the Netherlands. And we, what we did is that it looks like a search result because otherwise you automatically skip it, you know, you're banner blind. But then we found out that we had to put the house upside down, okay. uh, making sure that it cannot be processed automatically. <laughs> and the subconscious goes like, oh, I don't get it. The, the, the grass is up in the air and, yeah. and the blue sky is on the bottom. Yeah. Uh, help, help me, help me. Consciousness, because I'm not. Yeah. You know, this is wrong. Mm. That's in your words. Mm. And then people are consciously looking mm. at it. And we need that consciousness because they're not there mm to apply for a consult you have to make them consciously where you should get a consult and that tripled conversions of that in that test just putting the house upside down it tripled, tripled. conversions yeah that sounds amazing that you're it's, making something more difficult than it tripled yeah, because yeah. you're forcing them to understand something and, yeah. and the, well um thank you very much for talking to us yes. okay so, so that was the end of that interview or was it? Or was it? We actually kept talking to Bart uh, for quite a while. For so. another quarter of an hour. Uh, and that won't be part of the Conversion Jam show, but we'll be sure to put it out uh, in a couple of weeks. Yeah, we'll package it up as a full show, mm. and you can hear about it later. Mm. We, yeah, we dived a bit deeper into and a few topics. Lots of interesting tidbits about what the other speakers said as yeah. well. And if he didn't blow your mind in the first 13 minutes, he'd do, he, well, we do it in the next 15. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, wow. Roger Dooley, welcome to UX Podcast. Hello. Well, thanks. Happy to be here. So you did the keynote this morning. Opening uh, keynote. Mm -hmm. uh, and went straight into the ins well, and outs of influence and persuasion. Yeah, first, gonna, of, first of all, though, I was going to say, well done on, on being such a professional oh, yeah. speaker this morning, fantastic. given the, the challenges you had with mm. the, the clicker mm. to go back and forth with the yeah. slides. Well, thanks. I've, uh, <laughs> I've seen a lot worse happen in conferences, oh. and uh, this, this was... Uh, you know, on a scale of uh, 10, pretty pretty low. Mm. It, uh, um, I've seen uh, total loss of uh, uh, audio-video amplification. Mm, yeah. uh, I've seen the lights in the, mm. how the whole room go dark with, oh, from mm. a power failure and reboot mm. every piece of electronics in the place. So this wasn't bad. There was one, one funny, um, there was a couple of funny tweets. There was um, one person suggested that we made a drinking game. So every time you said, said next. next. <laughs> well, um, if, if, if that was a game, uh, I guarantee you everybody in the audience would have left uh, totally <laughs> drunk. Well, because I, I how many slides said, was that? that probably about 140, yeah, 150. Yeah. I use a lot of slides. They don't stay on the screen for very long, yeah. but mine, mm. was, mine was not a good one to, uh, for audio prompts. I was amazed you were able to actually stay on track what you were saying with you were saying next. next. Well, I, uh, I know the material moderately well, so yeah. I, uh, there were a few points where I had to make sure uh, where I was at. But no, it, it, it went pretty well. Yeah. I, I was, I was uh, uh, pleased. And the, mm. um, oh, the person working the slides was responsive and paying mm. attention, too, so that helps. Yeah. yeah, it did seem to work. Talk about adding friction to your <laughs> actual well, presentation. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so you're the author of BrainFluence, the book, and you're also the host of BrainFluence, the podcast. Uh, yes, that little branding synergy there. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> and today you gave a talk about well, 
what stuck with me the most, I think, is your, you talk about you talked about nudging. You talk about working with gravity. Uh, you had a picture that of a slide, a playground slide that uh, you used through, throughout the presentation. You came back to it. And it was a really good uh, analogy of how things work when you're trying to get, nudge people into the process of buying something and how you're working with their obvious needs and desires to actually get them to where you want them to go. Yeah, well, I call mm-hmm. the model the persuasion slide. And mm-hmm. the reason I developed it was because I, I needed a way to explain to people how to incorporate many diverse kinds of motivation into their marketing mm-hmm. uh, because there are obvious sort of practical motivators, mm-hmm. things like discounts, uh, things like your product features right. that need to be out there. You, you can focus a lot on emotion, but uh, unless you're selling something mm-hmm. like fragrance, uh, you probably probably have to talk about your features too. If you're selling software or some kind of tangible product, people want to know that it'll do what they need it to. Mm-hmm. But uh, then you've got all these other motivators that you can apply, the, whether it's Cialdini's uh, principles or um, Jeffrey Miller's evolutionary psychology stuff. Uh, there, And I wanted a uh, sort of a container that you could put all these into and uh, you know where they wouldn't you wouldn't be choosing between them necessarily, or you would be choosing, but you could fit them all into the same framework. Right. Hmm. Yeah, I think um, I mean re- removing friction is just one of those things that just seems so obvious that um, you know you you make the you make it easier to to or be a customer or, mm. or complete the, the goal. Mm. Um, but um, can it be can it be too easy? Well, uh, I guess yes and no. Uh, I think that. Uh, easy is always good from a, a maximizing conversion standpoint. Mm. Uh, there are times when adding some friction may help, for instance, qualify leads. Uh, uh, so uh, if you are feeding your leads into uh, some kind of a sales process, mm. uh, you may find that uh, reducing conversion by adding a few extra fields uh, may actually uh, not diminish your uh, results too much and that the leads that you do get will still be very qualified or be much more qualified than if you made it so trivial that you uh, were feeding thousands of leads into the mm. salespeople who then had to try and discriminate mm. and qualify themselves. Mm. Yeah, so you, 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 move, you move part of the process. And, yeah, and then I, I suppose the, the other side is you could say that, uh, for instance, uh, Amazon Prime makes it too easy to buy for some people who um, may buy things that they don't really uh, need or they can't afford. That actually happened. Well, I, I could you afford it, off, it but I, I had to turn it off. I had one click uh, buy on Amazon mm-hmm. turned on. And I, at first, I didn't realize that it actually was one click. I had no conception because they were really early with this fun, uh, yeah. feature. I didn't realize that you could make it that easy. So you clicked and it actually <laughs> registered and oh, yeah. you bought it and it was sent to I me. I mean, just like Friday night, you've had one, one or two glasses of wine yeah. you're relaxing in the, the week and suddenly you're one click buying yeah. on Amazon and that's really, you know, maybe not your, what you wanted to do. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. yeah. You, uh, uh, you don't want to be uh, hanging out on Amazon if you've got Prime connected yeah. after a beer or two. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> definitely, definitely not. So main theme today, I think, has been a lot about talk, the differentiation and the battle between the subconscious and the conscious mind. How much attention do we really have to pay to the subconscious mind? What's happening there? Well, neuroscientists mm-hmm. don't necessarily agree on an exact number, but mm-hmm. Gerald Zaltman of Harvard estimates that 90%, 95% of our brain's decision-making processes are non-conscious. Mm-hmm. So if, as marketers, we're only focused on selling features and benefits and price, which are more or less conscious factors, we're really missing out on selling to a huge, huge uh, part of our customer's brain. And so what are some of the ways that we can get 
to actually appealing to that part of the brain? Well, there are all kinds of emotional appeals. Uh, uh, I mentioned a few in my speech, for instance, Mm -hmm. creating a liking effect by uh, pointing out attributes that you share with a customer. Mm -hmm. Uh, There are triggers like scarcity, uh, social proof, uh, Mm -hmm. where uh, that's why on so many websites you'll see uh, join 23,500 other subscribers or Mm -hmm. uh, join, you know, 50,000 other customers. Uh, They're employing uh, that as social proof. Now, they maybe say they're appealing to your conscious mind, too, showing it to build confidence. Mm -hmm. Uh, But seeing that, uh, it's it's very much like... uh, uh, choosing a restaurant based on the long line outside the door uh, mm-hmm. the, versus one that has uh, virtually all the tables empty. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the the, uh, the slide, the, the story. You showed some pictures of um, of, of you and your pet dog um, as a build up to the story. Yes, um, yeah, to show that well, you've created a liking effect amongst the dog loving people in the, um, the the crowd today. Right, and uh, and it's it's very effective. I've uh, Oh, I tend to use that. I do a lot of different kinds of uh, uh, talks, but uh, I tend to use that little sequence of uh, slides pretty frequently mm. uh, because it, uh, it normally gets some chuckles in it. It really mm. does yeah. do that. Uh, it does build um, that uh, liking effect. Mm. And effect, it also shows it shows an understanding effect. I mean, in some situations, by displaying the liking effect like that, you'd you'd show that you understand the customer's problem or situation. Right, and, and a, another example of that would be uh, this uh, this year I've done a series of speeches to uh, IT resellers, uh, and uh, I once was a member of this particular organization many, many years ago, uh, very different uh, products at the time, okay. but nevertheless, uh, for each of those speeches, I start off by spending uh, a minute uh, describing my experiences in that industry as a member of that organization, mm. even though it was 20 years earlier, mm. because, uh, again, I'm showing that I have something in common yeah. with the audience, exactly. and it's a great way yeah. to uh, build that liking effect mm. right off the bat. Mm. Yeah. That's definitely... Uh, maybe I should start off with the dog pictures every time. Uh, that might yeah, be maybe. Yeah. Yeah. It depends exactly. how soon you want them to like you. <laughs> That's right, yeah. <laughs> it, might, it might actually be kind of good to come and play the light game. Well, yeah, another, uh, another key uh, uh, sort of psychological trigger is the power of first impressions. Yeah. First impressions mm. are formed very quickly, uh, mm. often in less than a second, mm. uh, just a fraction of a second, uh, whether it's a, a person's face or a website. Mm-hmm. And uh, weirdly... Those first impressions are very sticky. Mm-hmm. And even later, I just saw a study uh, that was run a few months ago. Uh, even if people are presented with factual information that contradicts their first mm-hmm. impression, they tend to stick with their first impression. Uh, right. So it's, yeah. it's pretty scary when you think mm-hmm. that people are going to judge you immediately mm-hmm. before they have any information. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then furthermore, uh, even if you give them information, they're probably not going to pay that much attention to it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Eric uh, Modig, um, well, that presentation today was in Swedish, so you wouldn't have heard it, but he, he talked about this as well. I, I heard it, actually. I, be, did. I did not understand it. Oh, right. Yeah, of course you heard it, but you wouldn't have said it. Well, he talked as well about the, um, the, the first impression. Mm-hmm. And um, and how the the subconscious brain is is is, is judging things and, right. and deciding making decisions about whether it's mm-hmm. going to kill and us or not. Have a major straight in the beginning. effect on, on your brand, and that's yeah. probably why people yeah. change their brand sometimes yeah. because there's so much built yeah. into that brand. That I think not. we're definitely going to come back to this mm-hmm. topic of, of first impressions mm-hmm. because there's been a, a big trend in recent times of um, of good enough, mm-hmm. um, and and also with like min- minimal viable products and things, which is which is used yeah. as an excuse to put out stuff that's that's not. That's not really up to scratch, maybe for your brand or even for, for what you want it's to achieve. It's like people are testing the product out mm. in the wild before it's actually done or on yeah. a broad scale. But then if people are expe- or having bad experiences with that, 
how are they going to like it after that? Exactly. If they're, if, if they're judging yeah. from that first you know, good enough mm-hmm. impression, mm-hmm. then that could take a long time to recover from. For oh, a d- definitely. Yeah. Yeah, it can mm-hmm. be fatal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You had a response to an audience question in the end that I think summed up your talk really well. Uh, but you were, talk- you were mentioning that before money, that cost was not expressed in terms of money, but in terms of effort. But I think that's exactly what we're talking about when we're talking about eliminate, eliminating obstacles in, in uh, conversion. Is actually sure. Well, I think there's, uh, yeah. you're always trying to um, eliminate uh, effort, whether it's sort of a cognitive effort by yeah. making a, a website more fluent that is easier to uh, process in the brain by uh, good uh, color contrast, easy to read fonts, and so on. Uh, or uh, actual effort, things like filling out long forms or uh, paying money is a, is a form of effort, too. Yeah. Uh, so all of those things are barriers. And I think that the role of uh, user experience is really uh, underestimated by a lot of marketers. It's, it's often not at the forefront of their mind. But uh, if you talk to serious conversion people, they generally understand how important UX factors are. Exactly. Yeah. Great. Well, I, um, thank you very much for joining us, Roger. Well, I'm happy to be yeah. here. Thanks so much. Well, we'll yeah. put a, a link to your show as well uh, in our show notes. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you very much. Thank you. Pleasure yeah. to be here. Mm-hmm. Bye-bye. Ooh, I'm feeling that I've learned a lot today or maybe not. Uh, I have to reflect more, gather my thoughts. Do you know what? I think mm-hmm. this is definitely one of the episodes of UX Podcast I'm going to listen to. Yeah, same here. And I admitted earlier to you that I haven't basically listened to any of our podcasts. <laughs> no, and I, I listen quite often, but this this is one of those ones where I'm definitely going to listen again because mm. um, this is this has caused me to think about mm. a fair few things. I'm, I'm um, <laughs> it's it's almost kind of it's an ex ex existential. Oh, I can't say the word existential question. Yeah, mm. um, in, in all this is that we've had we had a theme of, of psychology through throughout these four interviews, pretty much. Mm. Oh yeah, we have. It's all four of them have been psychology yeah. related, um, and um, and we've got the conscious brain, the subconscious brain. But we, I've, of course, I've, I've are picking up that they call it non-conscious. You're not supposed to call it subconscious call it or it unconscious. Okay. But well, the, the thing is, is, there seems to be lots of different names yeah. for it. You've got like the reptile brain. Yeah. Um, you've got the old brain, mm. new brain. Mm. Um, um, was it? Mm. One and two, mm. whereas one and two, I think what Bart mm. said. There's, yeah. there's several names, and I, yeah, oh, I think what's most important for us who are a little bit outside the field mm. is we've <laughs> got to understand that there's this there's, there's um, separate process levels here. Yes, one of them you're more aware of, the other one you're not aware of, and the one that you're not aware of is, is more important. You. It's more important, yeah. which is what's uh, really. But go back to the question of the bigger kind of question is that we. Us that are trying to understand all this and make use of it mm. and do all this testing, improve mm. web services, do good stuff, do things that you know deliver mm. a good user experience or mm. deliver the right result to our clients mm. and customers, um, we ourselves are subject to I know. The, the 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 well the reptile brain or your old brain, new brain. It's so weird because we're trying to use our brains to understand our brain. Yeah, it's like the, uh, um, like could a frog dissect a frog or infinity? <laughs> or infinity. Yeah. We're we're finite things. Yeah. So how can we comprehend infinity? Because infinity doesn't exist. Because yeah. we can't prove infinity exists. Because we are not infinite. See, it's like you start oh, getting into this kind of stuff. Now. Oh, sorry. <laughs> but you know what I mean. It's kind of we're. Oh, this is this is a. You can I can see how yeah. this some of the problems, some of the issues that we've been talking about today uh, come up constantly, and it's going to be very difficult to come around them. Yeah, and, and and then we have people who don't reason like this, and mm. they just go to their job, and they say, I'm going to do an A-B test today, and then I go home after work, and then I tend to my kids to do whatever, watch a movie. 
and they don't reflect on okay so what did that ab test really really show mm. did it show that one website was better than another or one version was better than another mm. or did it show that people are just stupid on tuesdays but they are smarter on wednesdays yeah. Even so, I think mm. some of the take-homes definitely mm. be very clear mm. about what our hypotheses are and what we're testing. Yeah. I mean, that's that can't that's that's difficult to damage. Mm. You know, difficult to do things worse if you are clear about mm. what you're trying to mm. achieve instead of just going, mm. "We're going to try a blue button." Yeah, explain why you think that's going to work. Why? What's your theory behind that kind of change? Exactly. That's always been my response to A/B testers who under, don't understand why we need UX. Is that mm. well? First, we need to figure out what we're mm. going to A/B test. Good point. Yeah. So that's that's mm. definitely um, one of the the, the main take homes. Um, I'm going to try to start adding uh, more feeling into my website. I think mm. more fun stuff. Yeah. But still on brand, of course. <laughs> And I'm also going to be, I think I'm going to be, um, try harder to, to point out some of the, put little actresses in you know, little stars next to some of the stuff that I'm doing. And so point, even with usability testing, mm. that it's full of flaws. Next time I do an expert review, mm. I'm going to be sat there thinking how many psychological traps I'm falling into myself when I'm, you know, saying good website, bad website. Mm. Um, very subjective, <sighs> and very, very conscious. Right. Mm. But... But still valuable if you know that you're what you're doing. Valuable valuable if if it's what your customer wants, and it might be valuable as a communication tool Mm. to get you further down the path. Exactly. And um, as we discussed earlier, Mm. like um, when we talked to um, um, Anna Dostrom um, about um, um, UX deliverables, Mm. that we're in a communication game here, and a lot of the time it's about communicating um, what we what we found or, or mm. at least guiding, uh, Helping guiding our clients understand what the results mean. Yeah. Um, as Bart said, I, I love as well, um, that, um, you know, of an AB, of a, instead of an AB test, you use an A, A test mm. yeah. and you can still get a winner. Yeah. <laughs> it's actually probably good. <laughs> that is, that is so true. Yeah. Oh, well, uh, be sure to check out the show notes. Yeah. So Thanks. lots of links to books and stuff. Yep, um, there will be loads of links. Hopefully, if I get around to doing all that tonight, because mm-hmm. um, we're we're the show's going out very quickly after the conference finishes mm. today. Um, so this is a f- kind of fresh and hot off the presses for you all. It is. Thanks to Conversionista. Oh yeah, um, for putting on the again, conference once again. Having yeah. UX podcast on location. Yep, great fun. And um, yes, you can find us at uxpodcast.com and anywhere anywhere you fancy. If you just search for UX podcast. Yeah, We're, we we come back up like a bad smell all the time. That's not what? right to say. <laughs> what? what does that mean? I don't know. <laughs> but maybe people will react psychologically to it and think that, yeah, those guys, I like those guys. <laughs> oh, Never dear. trust your conscious brain. Nope. And remember to keep moving. And keep you on the other side. Keep you on the other side. Why did You've you lost me. I don't know. <laughs> We've done four interviews today. Oh, no. We'll oh. try again. We'll try again. Remember to keep moving. See you on the other side.